Hello and welcome to the Promo Noise Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Morin, and I have an incredible show planned for you today. I am interviewing a badass. And that badass is Jolie Goodson. She's an award-winning branding expert who's passionate about helping her corporate clients create brand awareness, which in turn allows them to increase profit. She is also the creator and host of Branding Matters, a podcast dedicated to helping marketers, business owners, and entrepreneurs create brand equity. That podcast was named as one of the top 10 best branding podcasts in Canada by Feedspot. And Branding Matters is also on Good Pods 100 Top Indie Marketing Pods. And guess what? Most recently, it was the only podcast to be listed on the Online 18 for 2022 as Promo's Most Influential Social Media Voices. Jolie Goodson, a rock star who is also a proud ambassador at Gems for Gems, which is a charity dedicated to helping victims of domestic abuse empower themselves. Jolie, welcome to my show. I'm so thrilled to have you. Alec, you're so kind. Thank you so much. It's such a pleasure to be here. I'm, I'm excited. And, you know, I just want to say, first of all, congratulations on your incredible success with your not one, but two podcasts. That's quite a feat. So I'm really excited to be here. Uh, thanks, Jolie. That's really kind of you. I really appreciate that. Hey, listen, we've got so much ground to cover today that I want to jump right into this interview. And I want to begin asking you a ton of questions so let's begin with your job. Let's begin by talking about all of the different ways that you create value for your customers and that you create value for society. So can you tell me a little bit about the job? Well, which job? I have many. <laughs> but if you're talking about my branding um, in my branding business, I basically help my clients create brand awareness with cool swag. Okay. That's how I sum it up. All right. And you are also an award-winning podcaster, not just a podcaster, but an award-winning podcaster, right? So tell me a little bit about the podcast that you started. When did you start it? Okay. Well, first of all, I don't think I've won any awards yet, but I have been ranked on some pretty um, prestigious lists. So I'm pretty excited about that. I was on um, Good Pods Top 100, bunch of different ranks on there. And then for another one, um, I can't think of the name, but it was one of Canada's 10 best podcasts. I was number four on there. So that's pretty exciting considering this was just a hobby that I started. The impetus for me starting it, keeping it nice and short, a couple of years ago, or sorry, yeah, two years ago, actually, I did a presentation to, it was an online webinar. And it was about branding and um, because my background, I used to work in advertising. And so I have a lot of marketing and branding experience that I bring when I in my swag world. So I did this presentation and it was to a woman's group. And after the presentation, I had a couple of women reach out to me and ask me if I did consulting, which I didn't. And but I was curious to ask why. And they basically said they, they were two different women, but they had the same story. And their stories were they were working for a corporate company. They both got laid off and they were both both forced entrepreneurs and were starting a new business. And everything that I talked about in my presentation, they found not only interesting, but they really had no clue about what it meant to start a brand, what it is to have a brand, a brand purpose, all things to do with branding. And so they because they're having a business, they wanted me to help them. And I didn't have the time to help them, but I went, I mean, I told them, I said, well, I can help you if you have any questions, but I went away from that thinking, okay, these are two women in the small group with COVID. As you know, there's been so many forced entrepreneurs in the marketplace. Mm. And so I thought there's obviously a lot of people that are probably struggling with this. And I also saw on social media, you know, everybody's on social media trying to sell something. And there's all these new businesses and popping up and people don't know what the hell they're doing. I was saying to my boyfriend, like people are vomiting all over social media, right? And they're like, buy my product, buy my service. So really not understanding the importance and the value of branding and social selling. And like, literally, he just said to me, he goes, oh, well, why don't you start a podcast? And I kind of laughed and I was like, oh, right. I knew nothing about podcasts, but you know, that's me. I jump first and then figure it out as I go. So I was like, okay. And I decided to do it because I thought it's a great way to help people on a global scale because, you know, the pandemic is a global 
um, issue and people were struggling with financially and with their businesses all over the world. So I thought, okay, well, I'm, that's a great way to reach everybody and came up with the name Branding Matters because it's that double entendre. So it's all things branding. So everything from a brand, what is a brand, creating a brand, your brand purpose, your brand voice, your brand strategy, to to swag, obviously, to also branding matters. If you're someone who is either starting a new business or you're in business, you need to first figure out what your brand is. And then mm. through you figuring out what your brand is, then branding is a way to get your consumer to fall in love with your brand. And so that's that double entendre. Ooh, I love that. Hey, talk to me about defining a brand. When you do that, you must work with a variety of different customers, people that have no idea about their brand and other people who have, they know everything about their brand. In working with the first part, the, the first people that don't know much about their brand, what kinds of questions do you ask to try and figure out the essence of their brand? And what is a brand, Jolie? Well, that's an excellent question. And, you know, when people ask me, you, know, you say you're a branding expert, what's a branding expert? I mean, my really my expertise is swag, right? I've been doing that for over 20 years. Mm -hmm. But because of my advertising and marketing background, and I have to tell you, Alex, honestly, so I launched my podcast January 1st, 2021. So it's been just over a year. It's been a huge learning curve and I've learned so much, right? I feel like every guest I bring on, because I bring on leaders from all over the world in different industries, I've had private tutoring and it's helped me grow. So what I've learned this past year is, you know, your brand is really, it's not tangible. It's, you know, just babe, just Jeff Bezos' famous quote, your brand is your reputation. It's what people say about you when you're not in the room. You don't really have control over your brand. I mean, people decide they want to start a business. I think when you figure out what your purpose is, um, that's a good starting point. And then telling your brand story about who you are, just like you asked me about my podcast, you know, that's my story. And then, so your brand is really what people think about you and how people feel about you. Right. When you think of big brands like Nike or Apple, you know, how do you feel as soon as you hear those? Right. It's not necessarily that you're in love with a computer, but you're in love with the whole ethos of everything that um, Apple stands for. Hmm. So does that answer your question? Yeah, it does. And how does an entrepreneur actually determine what people are going to think about their brand? Like what steps can you take as an entrepreneur to get people to think about you when you're not in the room a certain way? Awesome question. That's where branding comes in. Because okay. branding is how do you inspire your audience, the consumer, to fall in love with your brand? And uh -huh. that's how you do it with everything. I mean, it encompasses everything, right? It could be your website. It can be your logo. It can be your brand identity, your business card, your social media profiles, you know, whether you're on LinkedIn or Instagram, it's your brand voice. How do you come across to your, to your audience? How do you speak? How do you look? How authentic are you? What are your values? All that is your branding and, and your swag, obviously, right? I mean, swag is about creating brand awareness and then connecting with your, when you connect with your audience so finding out you know once you just once you figure out what your business is about and who your brand is who is your um consumer who are you targeting and be really really specific know who know their socio um psychographics sorry know mm -hmm. like what do they like to do where do they like to hang out what kind of music do they listen to you know i was talking to someone the other day about it create an avatar this is your avatar call her sue what does sue like to do where does she hang out what does she wear and once you get inside of that then you can talk to your audience in their language and once you make that connection just like all relationships when you can connect with your audience and get them to trust you then they're going to choose you first in your category Ah, I see. Could you say that a brand is somewhat like a self-image? And then follow-up question to that, Jolie, could you potentially say that I create my, my, my self-image or my self-image is dictated by the fictionary avatar that I am trying to market to? Or, or is it a little bit of column A and a little bit of column B? So, sorry, can you, so when you say create your self-image. Yeah, you... so is a brand a self-image? Like, are we creating an, an image? That you could, because a brand isn't a person, right? But a brand is an energy. Well, there's also a personal brand. But, right. I mean, we're talking, we're talking corporate brand or we're talking personal brand. And sometimes yeah. they're not mutually exclusive. 
Yeah, absolutely. So so then in creating that brand and creating that self-image, one of the steps that you're advocating is to really take a look at who your demographic is and go after them, right? Market to that demographic, become that brand that serves that person. Well, actually, that's putting the cart before the horse. I think before mm-hmm. you can reach out to the that avatar that we talked about, we'll call her Susie, before you can start talking to Susie and telling her about yourself and trying to promote yourself to get Susie to fall in love with you, you need to first figure out who you are. Like, who who am I? Who do I, who, what do I stand for? What do I believe in? What's my purpose? What are my values? You know, when I, whether I'm selling swag or I'm selling a service, it's figuring that out and being really, really clear on what it is that you're doing, why you're doing it. And then once you figure that out, and if now you've developed this brand, now you can figure out who needs what I have to offer. And then you can go out and find them and you want to solve their problems, right? You're trying to create this need that you're fulfilling a need that they have. So figuring out what it is that they need. Oh, so you're speaking to my heart now. So, so you're, you're, that's what it's all about is speaking to your heart. Oh, I love this. I love this. So you've got to figure out who you are first as a brand. Like this is who I am. This is my purpose. This is my mission. And I guess your work is is probably a lot easier when a brand has that identity, when they know who they are, right? They feel comfortable in their skin. Would that be would that be accurate? Yeah, I mean, if we're talking corporate, because I I work mostly obviously with big companies, I spend a lot of time, you know, talking to my clients. I actually had a great meeting with a client last week and just sort of sometimes they don't necessarily know and I help them flush it out because I don't, you know, there there's the founder of the company. When you're working with a founder, and I have a lot of founders on my show, they know what their brand is. But sometimes if you're someone who's in the marketing, they may not necessarily understand it. Like I've had I've asked people what their brand is, and their answer is like, you know, they tell me about their logo. And I'm like, well, that's mm. not your brand. Or I or they tell me about their website. You know, they think it's brand identity. And that's a, you know, your brand identity is part of it, but it's really getting at the heart. Like, you know, and so when they do know what that is, then yes, that's great because then we can find items that are going to help create brand awareness. And I always say, you know, whatever it is you're using or buying, whether it's a water bottle or clothing, that's an extension of your brand. So now that's going out in the marketplace and you want people to associate whatever that is with your brand. Yes, yes. And you've mentioned swag a few times now. So for our audience, talk about the the differences in swag. I mean, it, it must range from the smallest things to the largest things and everything in between. What is swag, Jolie? Uh, you know, it's funny because people have asked me, like, is that an acronym? And some people say it is. Some, you, you, by the way, this is something I don't know. You have a teenager, so you know. So swag yeah. in like the today's terms means kind of cool, right? He's got swag. Did you know right. that? Well, swagger, yeah. I've heard. I don't know about no, swag. No, but swag, but... not even swagger. Like they call it swag. My kids, I have two teenagers and they're like, oh, he's got swag. So okay, anyway, okay. But, um, but swag is basically branded merchandise. Um, you know, my acronym I use is stuff we all get, right? S W A G. So okay. because we all we all get it, we all use it. So that's that's sort of the umbrella of swag. Um, and there's millions and millions of products out there. But I don't like to. You know, when I meet with people, especially new customers, I don't say I sell products, right? Because it's an experience. And again, that's part of branding is it should be very experiential. So it's more than just here's a water bottle, you know, but I'll sit down with my client and I'll say, let's take a water bottle. But I did this again with our client. We talked about they just created a new mission statement that's really powerful and it's actually super cool. And we're putting that on some stuff that they're ordering to really that personifies what their mission is moving forward. And then the logo is still there, but it's not, people don't necessarily always like to walk around wearing a huge logo on themselves, right? Versus wearing a, a, a saying that is appealing to you on a more of an emotional level. I can't tell you what it is, obviously, but um, it's very more of an emotional connection. I'm so intrigued by this concept. I love that that you go through this whole process with people. So oh, yeah. what's, what's the art of that? When you sit down and you're actually discussing, say, a mission statement, 
what are you what are you doing? Are you saying, oh, I have some ideas for you? Are you asking if they have ideas? Do you look at different product categories? How do you actually begin to narrow down the millions of choices of product solutions that exist out there to find the right uh, variety of, of, of a small variety of, of solutions that might work for the brand? Yeah, great question. And yeah, I absolutely sit down with them. And, you know, I'm not just a pen pusher. So back to this client again, because we just worked on this whole new campaign is figuring out what their values are. So I'll give you an example. So let's say there's a client out there and this is very topical right now with sustainability, right? So let's say there's um, a business out there and they are really, their values are all about sustainability and eco-friendly and green, right? That's what they have on their website. That's what they their brand promises. They That's what their marketing says. So everything about them is um, sustainable, eco-friendly, earth-friendly and all that. So Sometimes if they, let's say they have a tagline that says that, and then, so taking that and then finding products because our industry is now not quite where it should be, but it's definitely gone a long way as far as lots of sustainable products, lots of eco-friendly mm. products, right? So finding the product that is going to match all the values of the brand and then bringing them together. And so they're, so they're putting their money where their mouth is. So they're not saying they're, they're now, ex- everything is eco-friendly and sustainable, but they're giving out, you know, plastic wrapped in plastic, <laughs> you know, like they're going to have products that are going to be sustainable as well. So it's all encompassing what their brand stands for. Does that make so, sense? Yeah, it really does. And you mentioned the notion of sustainable products. Are there lots of choices these days when it comes to sustainable products? And are they really sustainable? Well, I would say that's a good question. Um, there are more and more sustainable products coming out every day. You know, there's a big misconception between sustainability and eco-friendly. Right. So something can be eco friendly in the sense that you can have a water bottle and I keep saying water bottle because I have mine sitting on my desk here. So you can have a water bottle that's, let's say, made of plastic. Right. And so it's not made necessarily of sustainable material, but versus one of those plastic one use water bottles that go into the landfill. Right. So this I constantly am refilling it with water from my tap. So it's eco friendly because I'm it's not single use. It's I've had this for years. It's one of my favorite ones. So using it over and over again. But it wasn't you know, where was it made? It wasn't it was probably made overseas. So then you think about the carbon footprint of it bringing over to Canada and all these things. So I wouldn't say this is sustainable versus um, you buy something that is, let's say, made locally and, you know, and everything from the material that's used is, it, you know, the material is recyclable and the whole, um, the the factory that it's made in, all their processes are sustainable. So everything from the very beginning to the final product. And also when it's done, that's another thing too, is when this eventually, this plastic water ball is eventually done, it will go into a landfill eventually, whenever that is, or recycled. I think this can be recycled. But a lot of times if they can't, so when it can be recycled into something else, then that's the sustainability factor. And so a lot of people don't know that difference, and that's really important, especially today. Oh, I'm, I'm glad you highlighted that. I, I find that really interesting and really intriguing. It's funny because when I coach, there's always a lesson that's done on awareness. And there's, you know, there, there's lots of levels of awareness. And what we want to do is identify where we're at on an awareness perspective with whatever we're doing in life. And the goal is to really raise your level of awareness over and over again. So I suppose it's probably the same thing when it comes to branding, right? And especially for companies that want to get into eco-friendly and sustainable ideas, it's like, okay, well, here's a great start. Instead of uh, you guys using tons of plastic in your lunchroom every day to fill up your water, why don't we do reusable bottles? They may not be totally sustainable, but it's going to take you in the right direction. And then when you're ready for it, let's start sourcing some actual drinkware that is biodegradable. That's made yeah, here locally. Exactly. Right? So biodegradable. Do you do, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's super cool. Yeah. Um, ha- have you seen any really innovative ideas when it comes to sustainability or when it comes to eco-friendliness uh, in terms of promotional products? Is anything that stands out as being really, really cool and cutting edge? Oh, you know, I mean, there's lots of new things coming out every day. I, I think with clothing right now, especially textiles, you're seeing a lot of that. You're seeing 
sweatshirts made out of recycled Coke bottles. And, you know, they're taking materials that you never would have thought of. There's one of my suppliers is they had this really great initiative where they had everybody donate their old jeans that they weren't using anymore. And then they reused them to make um, new clothing. They made these sweatshirts with the jeans on them. So there's lots of stuff. People are being really, really innovative and creative. Um, there's a lot more I'm finding a lot, especially now with what's going on with the whole, um, supply chain, a lot more Canadian companies are making things, um, locally. So, yeah, I mean, off the top of my head, I can't think of one particular thing that stands out because really there's just so many. Yes, I gotcha. Now here's, here's an interesting question for you. We talk about branding. We talk about using promotional products to help us brand. Sometimes I I see that there's a trend in the industry these days to brand with brands. So to use the momentum of another brand to help brand you. And is this something that you notice? Are you selling generic product or do you ever get into like actually selling large brands with another brand on it? You know what I mean? Yeah, of course I do. Uh, well, co-branding. So a hundred percent. I mean, especially I have a lot, a lot of clients that want brand names, right? So we're getting into golf season now. And so they want the Travis Matthews and the Foot Joy and the Nike and the Adidas for sure. Because again, there's that, at, because we know, and again, those are all really great brands that emotional, right? Everybody loves Nike. You can take a Nike polo and if you took off the swoosh and put it next to another one, people may not know the difference, but it's that little swoosh that you pay that extra for. But it's because it's the whole, it's the whole ethos of what the Nike brand stands for. So when you're given, so when, when a client wants to buy some products to give out to their customers or to their prospects, and they give someone, you know, a Travis Matthews golf shirt, which is a really nice high-end golf shirt, versus a generic one, the wow factor from the recipient is probably going to be more where that brand is because they're going to be that have that brand recognition. So Mm. a a lot, a lot, a lot. And the good thing is, you know, I've been in this business a long time. You and I've talked about this 20 (laughs) years, 20 plus years. And it's been a slow process, but more and more brand names, especially high. I mean, Yeti, Yeti is a cult brand. Yeti is, everybody loves the Yeti brand. I get requests. People reach out to me and like, can I get, you know, whether they want the Yeti um, tumblers or they want the colsters. And with supply chain, there's been huge issues. They can't, Yeti can't keep it in stock. And I do do Yeti coolers. And I mean, I don't know if you're about a Yeti cooler, but they're not cheap. They're really expensive. No, they're not. But people, I've got, they buy them. They want them and they want that brand. And so, yes, 100%, there's that co-branding that goes on. And I just will add to this too, because I do have some clients that they want the brand name product, but they don't want the big brand logo. So, Mm, you know, that's also interesting because a lot of those retail brands that are coming into the corporate world understand that and they've made their logos more subtle where nike used to sell hats with like the big swoosh right on the front now they'll put it on the back or on the side so it's a great opportunity for my client to put their logo front and center but still knowing that there's that nike logo there Ooh, that's really good news yeah now now you just mentioned that relationship uh, between your supplier because you've got to get the product somewhere and and you the distributor and then of course your customer the end user so how interdependent is this entire system from consumer to distributor to supplier are you all working in tandem like tell me about the relationships that have to exist in order for you to be unbelievable at what you do hundred <laughs> percent i mean of course it's all about relationships you know every everything in life um is about relationships business is no exception I, I'm a relationship person. I think you're a relationship person too. I think we have, we've already established we have a lot in common. You know, you've known each other, we've known each other for a long time. So I, I'm very fortunate. I love my clients. You know, a lot of them have become friends of mine. Um, I just, I'm very, I'm, I'm not everybody's cup of tea. Let's be honest. I'm very blunt. I'm very honest, maybe to a fault someday. I don't have a filter a lot of time. So I'm very straightforward. So that might turn some people off. I mean, I'm, I'm completely honest. I never BS my clients. I own it when I screw up. You know, when I make a mistake, I don't try to cover up and lie. I tell my clients like, yeah, I messed up, you know? And so they appreciate that, I think. Um, And, and it goes, so it's, it's a chain reaction. And at the end of the day, 
my ultimate goal is to make my client look good. When I have a client says to me, Julie, I was, I looked like a rock star because of, you know, all the stuff I ordered. That is like two thumbs up for me. And the only way that I can deliver that is for people like, you know, so you used to be one of my suppliers, right? Mm -hmm. So it's my suppliers, it's my partners on the back end that make me, so they help me look like a rock star. I help my clients look like a rock star and we all win. Right. So it absolutely, we're all connected. And if I didn't have the amazing suppliers that we have and the support system, I wouldn't be able to offer what I can offer to make my client look good. So mm -hmm. yes, 100%. Hey, let's talk about the emotional impact that branded products have, because right now people are suffering, right? You, you've got a world that's divided with what's going on with, with COVID and, and mandates and uh, freedom issues. So how do promotional products actually affect people from an emotional standpoint? I, I, I sense and I hear that a lot of companies are actually rewarding and, and providing their, their, their employees uh, promotional products as a means to let them know, hey, we care about you. And they're picking them very carefully and very strategically. Are you seeing some of this these days? And can you give any examples? Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, yeah, it, it's been really, really tough for most people. I mean, some people not as much, but for most of us, we've struggled one way or another. Mm -hmm. And especially at the beginning of the pandemic, when we were all segregated and people, I mean, I've always worked from home, so it hasn't impacted me in that sense as much. But people who always are used to going to the office all the time and seeing their colleagues, and now everybody's dispersed all over, sometimes in the city, but also across country, sometimes across continents. Um, and so the way that promotional products have really helped keep people connected is we do these kits now. And we started doing them when COVID first started. And I think they're going to continue because they're a great way. So for an employer to send out a little gift package, a little care package to all their employees with you know, a few little things. I mean, we, we, we've worked with every budget. Some are big, some are small, but it's not so much what's inside, right? It's so much that it's, it's the intention and the message that, so when you say, you know, we're all in this together, you're not, you're backing that up. Like here is something we care about, you, you know? So I've done gift packages where they're delivered directly to the employee's home and they've got, you know, maybe there's some food, some comfort food and some things with their name on it. People love personalization, especially me, because you don't see Jolie on a lot of things. So whenever I see something with Jolie on it, I love it because growing up, I never saw my name on anything. So having personalization, having a little, you know, so this little care package, it goes so far because it makes you feel valued, right? And we're living in a time you know, they're calling it the great resignation. People are quitting their jobs left, right, and center. So now more than ever, employers really need to not just tell their employees that they they mean a lot and that they care about them, but they really need to step up and show them. And this is a great way to do that, you know? Yeah, without question. Hey, how has the nature of promotional products changed with regard to sophistication? There was a time when I started where we sold bags and that was pretty much it. And then and right? then we started to see technology make its way into promotional products. Do you see more and more of that every day? Like you you must have seen some great advancements in the different types of products that are available to people. Well, yeah, I mean, definitely technology is huge, just like it is in the world. I mean, I think that for the most part, the promo world tends to follow the retail world, right? Whatever is, whatever trends are sort of happening out there in the real world, the promo world usually follows suit. So technology is huge. Chargers, cell phone covers, you know, laptop skins, speakers, Bluetooth speakers, um, and again, it, it's really interesting as how the world changes, how the products change. So with everybody working from home or have, you know, since COVID hit and we're in, all in lockdown and now it's opening up, but um, so home products became super popular. So things like blankets and Bluetooth speakers and kitchenware and things that you're going to use around your house that you probably, I didn't really do that much, you know three, four years ago, right? It was more office, but now it's really home and stuff like that. So it's funny how the trends change. Um, it's funny as I'm talking to you, like selfie lights, right? People are doing Zooms all the time. So, you know, those selfie lights and microphones and just, or, or earphones, all those kind of things, because we're all on Zoom. So yeah, it's yeah. funny how we tend to use what we need. 
And to me, I just want to say, I'm always a big proponent of, I never will try to sell something or never sell, but I would never suggest something to a client of mine if it's not useful. So no matter how cool and different and funky, if it's not useful and it's going to just sit there, I, I'm not interested and I know my clients aren't and they much prefer things that they are actually going to use. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's the right way to do it, obviously, right? We want to make sure that that what we're providing the customers has a usage and uh, is going gonna, is gonna to really turn the needle. Hey, let's let's switch gears for a little second and let's talk a, a little bit about your podcast. I really want to get into this podcast. Oh, do we have to? <laughs> oh, we must. I love your podcast. I think you bring on tremendous guests. I think you ask insightful questions. It's called Branding Matters, correct? Yeah. And people can find it where? Oh, where can't they? It's everywhere. It's on um, Spotify. It's on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, um, Amazon, everywhere. It's it's badass. It's Branding Matters, badass banter with Jolie. So fitting. <laughs> so cool. Because I'm, I'm the branding badass. You are. You are absolutely. So I, I share a similar experience with you in the sense that at around the same time that you were starting your podcast, I was starting a podcast as well. And I didn't know what it would turn into, what it would be. And I have fallen in love with it. And you said something at the beginning of this particular episode, and you talked about the opportunity to learn every single time you're on your own podcast. Tell me what that feels like. Is is that something that gives you even more joy when you think about your podcast, when you're working in your podcast? How does it feel? It's amazing. I mean, you and I share that. And I think a lot of part, I think, you know, it's like this podcast group. And unless you're in it, I don't think you really get it, you know, because I've talked to other podcasters and they say the same thing. You know, I do it as nobody was listening because really, I mean, I think you can tell I'm very passionate about branding. I'm, you know, <laughs> I can't get, I, I love it so much. And so I get to sit down with incredible, smart, interesting people like yourself one-on-one -on -one for an hour and talk about a topic that I'm super passionate about and that they're super passionate about. So how does that not fill me with utter bliss? I, I love it so much. And especially, you know, with the pandemic, sometimes the only people I see every day was like my two kids and my boyfriend, right? And so you don't get to talk to many people. So sometimes it's just it's just such an amazing experience. I, I can't tell you how much I love it. Well, I mean, you can relate because you do as well. Yeah, I love it. It, it and is, I've learned uh, so much. Sorry. Yeah, I, I was just gonna say that yeah. it, it it becomes like a child, doesn't it? Like you you watch it grow, you nurture it, you you give it energy, and it and it just it just flourishes, and it turns into things that you never would have expected. And you have two kids. How old are they? Yeah, um, eighteen and fifteen. So, Alex, I have to ask you: Have you ever had anybody say, "Okay, enough about the podcast already"? <laughs> I haven't so oh, far. I have. No. <laughs> I have. It's like, okay, totally enough. So I mean, I, I that's how much I love it, right? You talk about, you talk about, you know, people talk about their child and brag about, and I don't brag about it. I just, I talk about like what happened and what we talked about and the experience and what I learned. And it's like, okay, mom, we get it. <laughs> well, I think it's important that people understand the joy that it brings to you because it it's inspiring when you when you see and you hear an episode like this one and you 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 sense that genuineness that that absolute love i think it gives us hope that each of us all of us can find something in life if we haven't already that really really just makes us want to wake up in the morning i'll bet if you could do this for the rest of your life you would right like if that was the only thing you could do, would you? Well, who's listening? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, you know what? I mean. <laughs> oh, I put you on the hot seat. I, you don't have no, to answer no, no, that no, I'm, I'm totally, no, I'm totally kidding. Are you kidding? Everybody, you know what? Everybody at work supports me with my podcast. Everybody supports me. I'm just totally joking. Um, yeah, I mean, I love it. Whether I would do it for the rest of my life, who knows, right? I've learned a long time ago. You never know what the future is going to bring but right now i love it and 
tomorrow if I'm still loving it. I, you know, as long as I'm still loving it, I think that's like with anything in life. I mean, I have been in the promo world for over 20 years, like I said. Why? Because I love it. I mean, you hear me talk about it. I'm super passionate, but I love helping people because I love using my creativity to think differently and not just, you know, supply my clients with the same old, same old. So I love constantly challenging myself and challenging my clients and, and being sort of a consultant for them, not just a selling them product. So I'm, I wouldn't do it for as long as I've been doing it if I wasn't, you know, passionate about it. The day that I stop and the the day I don't like it anymore, I'm out, you know, and the same thing with podcasting. If it gets to the point where it becomes tedious and not enjoyable and it's not filling my soul anymore, then I'll stop. So whenever Mm -hmm. that is, I have no idea. Do you still get out and go to trade shows for the branding industry? Do you do you get out at all and, and attend any workshops for podcasting? Like, where do you get your inspiration? You mentioned creativity, and I know you as an extremely creative person. So where does that creativity come from? Is it Does it come from a variety of places, or are you just inherently creative? Well, first of all, I don't get out. My, everybody calls me a hermit. For someone who's so <laughs> social, literally some days all I do is go to the gym and come home. Like, I really don't go out much. Uh, I work from home. I do everything from home. But, I'm, yeah, I mean, I do get out. But um, as far as trade shows go, <clears throat> pardon me, with what's been going on in the world, I haven't in the last, you know, two and a bit years. Um, I get my inspiration. Where do I get my inspiration from? That's a great question. Do you mean as far as what I want to talk about on my podcast or my guests or in what sense are you referring to? Yeah, I, I would say both. Like, <laughs> where, where do you come up with your questions? How do you come up with your questions? And then how do you even find your your guests? Like, you, you've had some unbelievable guests on your show. Yeah, I'm really, really lucky. I mean, I, I don't think my podcast would be what it is if it wasn't for my guests. Um, different ways. You know, I... Um, referrals. So one thing that's great is I'll have a guest on that was amazing. And they they say to me afterwards, like, that was so much fun. And I loved talking to you. And then I say to them, well, if you know anyone else that you think would be great, or that would enjoy it, would you introduce us? So I've been introduced a few guests that way, which has been great. Referrals from friends, from other people who listen to my podcast, who tell me about someone. And, you know, one thing I didn't expect, pardon me, one thing I didn't expect is I get a lot of people that there, I guess there's companies out there now that are basically agents and are trying to help guests find podcasts. So I get reached Mm -hmm. out to, honestly, probably once a week where someone will say, Hey, I think this person is good for your podcast. When if when I first when that first started, I was like, what my little podcast you want to be on and I was all well, first of all, extremely flattered and honored. Um, And I wasn't really sure how to handle it. Because, you know, back to the whole brand thing, I, I really have to be true to my brand. And I have to stick with my brand in the sense that what is my vision for my podcast and how do I want to be and part of that is the guests that I bring on right so there might be guests out there that are amazing and super successful leaders in their industry but they don't fit my brand of my podcast and so having to say this I want to know I I didn't know what to do and I remember reaching out to my older sister and I go I don't know what to do because people are reaching out to me and she helped me sort of be very honest and forthright. And I reply to all my messages. I think I do most of them, if not all of them, because I hate when people don't reply to me. So I make a point of always replying and just being really honest and sincere and letting them know. So yeah, they reach out to me a lot. Um, Another thing that I do is, again, I always try to keep my finger on the pulse of what's going on in the world. So with branding, you know, I read tons of all the you know, the trade magazines, all everything online, right? So read stuff about mm. branding and who are the hot people in branding. One of my guests <clears throat> that I had on recently, Andrea Brimmer, who is amazing, and she's the CMO of Ally, which is a huge, one of the largest um, online financial services in the US. Well, she was listed in Forbes as one of the top CMOs in the world for 2021. So I read this article and I was like, wow, I was impressed. So I reached out to her and I said, hey, congratulations. I have this podcast about branding. Would you be on? And she was amazing. And she was a guest a couple of weeks ago. So I just, every way that I can, I just try to find different unique people that inspire me. I have to be inspired first, foremost, because if I'm not inspired, I don't know if my audience will be. And then, yeah. You know, that that is so cool that you did that. You actually reached out to somebody on a top list and asked if they- I've done that a lot. Yes. Yeah. Don't you don't you love the unknown? 
Is there, to me, it's, it's a fascinating place to reside. I've always been a planner. I've always seen the future. I've always been two steps ahead of every conversation I've been in. And I stopped doing that a couple of years ago because it was tedious. It was just, it was, it was too much for the mind and not enough heart. So are you loving the unknown these days? Are you loving not knowing what the next week's podcast is going to be or a month from now or who you're going to be working with in the branding world? You're shaking your head a little bit. Yeah, I mean, that's funny that you say that. Do I love the unknown? I've had a, my, you know, Alex, to be totally honest with you, the last six years has been a lot of unknown. So mm. it's, it's been a bit, it's been a bit scary and it's been a bit stressful. You're going to try to make me cry here. It's been tough. And no, it's been tough. I'm being honest. And so I would, I, I, I like the excitement of, I mean, I love everything about what I'm doing and yeah, I have pretty much my guests lined up usually about a month ahead of time. And I don't know what, who I'm going to have on this summer, but I don't know there, I guess there's, it's scary and it's stressful. So I don't know how much I love the unknown, Mm. but do you, have you, you said uh, you loved it. I do. Yeah. I do. And and what I do you share love about your it? Ooh, long pause for me to answer this question. <laughs> Wait a minute, whose podcast is this again? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're an expert questioner, no, aren't you? I, well, I'm just curious. I think I think what I love about it is the unlimited possibility of what comes next. As hard as that is some days, I think that's what I cherish most about it. And I'm beginning to understand that that unlimited possibility unfolds and presents itself in tune with my mood, my perceptions, my general disposition. So the, the, the more fearful I am, the more that uncertain future reflects that fearfulness. And the more excited I am and embracing of what comes next and with a confidence that it will be beneficial in some way, shape or form or will teach me something, then it becomes more exciting and, and generally more positive. And so in that vein, what you just said that you, you last six years have been challenging for you. And, and I, I understand, man, the last two years have been whew, the most challenging of my life. So tell me, has has what have you learned in those six years? Is there anything that's really been a profound learning experience for you or some lesson that's just resonated so, so loudly for you? Well, I probably, I've learned a lot. I mean, I've, I guess what I've learned about um, myself and my experience is that, you know, I've always been a very resilient person and I've always somehow, you know, see the glasses half full, no matter what I'm thrown, what's thrown at me. Right. I've, I've always been optimistic and resilient, all that kind of stuff. And I've been tested these last six years. I mean, I mm-hmm. went through a divorce, still going through it. It's been tough. My kids, it's been stressful for them. COVID has been tough. Business has been real tough. And, relationships. I mean, I feel like it was coming at me at all ends for, for a while there. Um, and I guess I've learned that don't be too hard on myself. I'm my worst critic. You know, I think you and I've talked about this where mm-hmm. you've been your worst critic. I'm my worst critic. And I, you know, people will say to me like, well, Jolie, it's COVID and everybody's struggling. I'm like, well, I'm not blaming COVID. I take full responsibility for, you know, my failings and everything else. I just do. I'm, and I'm like that. And so I, I'm learning to give myself grace and I'm learning to just breathe because it really, you know, you talk about not knowing the future. I was really struggling and emotionally. And so I'm learning to not and just be, you know, like just be in the present and enjoy today and not worry about the future and it'll work out. So yeah, I'm I'm convinced it will too and I'm convinced that it is for you. I you know, it's it's odd that when we're on a track so often it 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 just it it disappears or it becomes a different track and and I everyone I speak to has a story about that happening, about not finding their way or or losing their way or having to find their way. One of those three sort of iterations. It's 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 almost universal. And so Jolie, I, I, I really identify with what you're saying here, that you're your own worst critic. And I'll bet you you've learned a lot because you're talking about grace now. You're talking about giving yourself some space and actually, you know, just just perhaps loving yourself a little bit more. And that's something we all have to do. I have to work on it every yeah. single day. Yeah. 
isn't it uh, isn't it incredible uh, what we what we learn in in the most challenging times? And it's ironic because, you know, I give everybody else grace. You know what I mean? Like I'm I will be the first one to forgive everybody, my kids, you know, things that go on in the world, things that happen. And but for myself, I am just so hard on myself. And I mean, I always have been. And but here I am, you know, in my <laughs> mid 50s and finally trying to be a little bit nicer to myself, <laughs> which is so wow. weird, right? Yeah, and not not to get too far off topic, but why do you think that is? Why do you think we are so hard on ourselves? Why are you hard on yourself? Oh my God, I don't know. That's I, you know what? I ask myself that. People ask me all the time, and I I can't explain it. I mean, realistically, we could probably go back into our childhood and our families. I mean, I came from a very loving family as far as my parents go, but full disclosure, we had stuff in my family, there was mental illness, there was a lot of things. And I think maybe, you know, I, I've talked a lot recently with people about childhood trauma, and how trauma doesn't have to be like abuse, right, or neglect, it can be little things that and kids are so vulnerable. And I see it even in my own kids. I, you know, I'm living with a lot of guilt because of what the divorce is what's happened with the divorce. And I see how it's affected my kids, even though I've tried not to, you know, and I worry about how that's affected. Like, you know, I wonder like, oh, is that childhood trauma? So maybe, maybe in my upbringing with my experiences, there's some stuff there that is affecting me in that sense, right? Possibly. Yeah. I don't know. And the I only one I could go question. see maybe and they can figure it out for me. <laughs> no, I, I'm not joking. I, I'm, I'm trying to make light of it, but it's, it's, um, yeah, I mean, obviously it stems from somewhere. Yeah, and I only ask the question because I I, I want to learn. I, I went through a divorce too many, many years ago, and, and it was probably the second or third hardest thing that I've ever gone through oh, in yeah. my life as well. And and I share that feeling of, of feeling guilt of changing the circumstances of our kids and, you know, having them go through an emotionally turbulent time and um, all of that, all of that just weighs heavy, right? And then the pressures of having to support your family as well can be challenging too. And then you throw in a pandemic that that completely upturns the economy. And it's like this perfect storm. And you almost wonder, universe, what are you doing? Yeah. Like, what are you yeah. teaching me right now? But I think we're all learning. And, and that's evident in Hopefully what we're you're learning. talking about. Hopefully, because, so. you know, yeah. the, I think you if you're not learning, then what's it all for, right? So no matter what you go through in life, no matter how tragic and, you know, everybody has a story and some are better than others and some are worse than others. And But I always think, what is the lesson here? Because there has to be a lesson. And if you don't learn, then then it's all for nothing, right? But if you can learn from it, you know, and just to go back to marriage for a second, I don't know how you felt, but when my ex and I split, <clears throat> You know, I, I told, we were together 13 years. I didn't look at it as a failure, you know, and I told my kids that I said, you know, I don't look at it as like, oh, we failed in our marriage. We had this great relationship and it ended for nothing in particular, but circumstances and the chapter was done and the book was closed and it was time for a new chapter. And I, I shared that with my kids and they were young at the time. They were 11 and eight. And I told, I wanted to make it clear that, you know, marriage is great and I'm not against marriage and I don't want them to be against marriage, but you get again, like, and life is too short. And if you get to a point, whether it's in your career or whatever you're doing, and you're just not happy, then why stay when you never know if tomorrow's going to be there? So just, chalk it up to experience, learn as much as you can, and then move on and get over it, you know? So I, I just want to be clear because I don't look at it as like a failed relationship. I look at it as like it was a relationship and it ended and it was tough and it was hard and now it's on to the next. Does that make mm -hmm. sense? It makes a ton of sense. And I, I can relate to that too. Our, our We ended ours amicably as well. And I think that the guilt that that I carry, and and perhaps other divorcees carry the same guilt as well, is the overcompensation that 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 a lot of us actually go through after the divorce in an attempt to make things great for our kids and and to create a great environment. And so, you know, perhaps we give a little more and and we make life easier or we attempt to make life easier thinking that this is the solution this will allow our kids to get through this circumstance in an easier fashion and i i see in retrospect 
the disservice that that did for my kids in in trying to overcompensate. And I don't know if you share that, but that's some of the guilt that I hold and have been trying yeah. to release. Well, I, I appreciate that. I will say that we started off amicable because there wasn't, like I said, there was no infidelity. There wasn't one thing. It was just we grew apart. And I mean, I might have initiated, but it was pretty mutual. Unfortunately, um, you get lawyers involved and then the word entitlement comes up and I was the main breadwinner. So let's just say it, it's, it hasn't been amicable since we split. And that's where the guilt comes in for me, for my kids, because you know, they've had to experience this tumultuous relationship with their father and me. So it's a whole other thing. But, um, but yeah, I don't, I don't look at the marriage as a failure. I actually, ironically, I don't look as a marriage as a failure, but I look at the divorce as a failure because if I could do it all over again, I probably would do things differently. Mm, very, very interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, I think most of us would, when we look back, we, we, with the benefit of experience and wisdom, we look back and say, oh yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah, totally would have done that a little bit differently. Yeah. Would have. Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. I I get uh, where you're coming from for sure. Um, I I am so thrilled to have had a chance to sit down with you and and actually have this conversation, a conversation that I've wanted to have for a long time with you. And I'm enamored with the way you approach branding, with the with the care and the level of service that you provide your customers. It's inspiring. It's it's so darn cool. Where can people get a hold of you, Jolie? How, if they want to work on some branding projects with you from a personal perspective, from a corporate perspective, how can they get a hold of you? Okay, well, first of all, are we done already? <laughs> no, it was so fun. And thank you so much. And I love talking to you too. This is great. I mean, there's we can talk about anything really, right? It's like pick a subject. And so thank you for bringing me on and for talking about all this stuff. And I like, I'm so passionate about it. Um, so you can reach me. I'm all over social media, if you didn't know that. So on Instagram and Twitter and um I guess those are the two. You can find me under branding underscore badass. So branding badass. And then on LinkedIn, which is where more my corporate. So for my podcast and then for my corporate clients and for swag and everything else, you can find me on LinkedIn under Jolie Goodson, J-O-E-L-L-Y Goodson, G-O-O-D-S-O-N. And um, I would love to hear from you. Reach out if you have any questions or if you know anybody that would be a great guest on my podcast or you just want to hang out and chat. So, yeah. Fantastic. Uh, I could have gone on for hours. I, I generally, my podcasts are a little bit shorter, but without question, we could have talked for seven hours and had tons of material to cover. And maybe we'll do it again in the near future. Yeah. Jolie, thank you so much for being a guest on my show. I really appreciate it. And I think you're such a warm and beautiful person. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I look forward to talking to you again in the near future. Oh, thanks. Right back at you. You heard it here on the Promo Noise podcast. That was the incomparable Jolie Goodson, an absolute rock star and legend in the advertising industry. Hey, please don't forget to check out our website, www.promonoise.com, and check out our YouTube site, Promo Noise, where you will find revolutionary product review videos that bring you the latest goods on some of the most creative promotional advertising ideas in the industry. Hey, thanks very much for listening, and I will catch you again soon. And in the meantime, let's keep making beautiful noise together.